Because what happened is, if I don't start recording now, we'll have talked two hours and then look up and be like, all right, what do you want to talk about? Right, exactly. <laughs> Run that shit. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. So you sure? you're going to start it, right? Yeah, I already started. Oh, okay. So that's, that's so funny that this happens because we've been talking for so long and then I hit I hit record and now we're like, all right, let's let's do some structure. We're not structuring this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. This is something positive for positive people. I'm here with Lexi Gibson. How long has it been we've been trying to do this? <laughs> uh, a year. Actually. It's been a year. Last year. I'm glad that we didn't talk then because... One, I didn't know what I was doing. I talked to a lot of people I probably shouldn't have talked to so early. Great. Perfect for me, too. I talked to people I wasn't prepared for at that point in time. But I did learn a lot in a very short period of time, interviewing, having a conversation, and knowing when to pull for more and back off. And after having done all of that, I feel way more confident talking on the microphone. And I don't say like or um near as much... (laughs) Learn some of that from you. It's challenging not to do that, especially, um, see, right there. <laughs> especially because we don't really have voice conversations. It's so much more convenient to just text where you're typing. You have time to think out, oh, this is how I want to say what I'm going to say. And you don't have to worry about having to rebuttal or say anything right back right away. Right. I've asked myself, like, why? Why do we do that? And I think it's because. It's having that silence in between what you're saying. People just, you know, we want it so quickly. But being able to just take a pause and get your thoughts together and then re-speak again without having to add filler. It's just, it's filler. We do that to get our thoughts together. But I think learning to take that second, it's okay. It so is. I try and pay attention to that and slow down. <laughs> Yeah, and if we do so that a funny. lot, it makes it way easier for me to edit this podcast, too. So I'm okay. all about those dead spaces. <laughs> Recently, I shifted the structure of the podcast to not 100% just focus on this person has an SCD. This is how they dealt with it. And one of the reasons is because if you remove herpes, HIV, HPV, you're still left with someone dealing with a life experience or a life situation, and they're having to respond to it in a way that teaches us lessons that can be applied to everyday life as a whole. Mm, I like that, yes. <laughs> and um, I listen to a lot of podcasts I read or listen to a lot of audiobooks too, and it seems like the people who get to share these kinds of stories of perseverance are famous or rich or social media influencers. I don't think that their methods are applicable to someone who just got out of college or maybe even in college or someone who's having to work and grind and hustle on their own in order to get to a place where they can do what some of these people have done and take a year off from working and just live in nature or go out of the country and just kind of hang out and get their stuff figured out. We don't have that luxury. It's good to be able to create a space where we can talk about that. And following you on Instagram at Beauty Through My Eyes, I've seen a lot of you just loving life. And that is very inspirational. It's inspiring to me. And it's just been like, man, if I would have had that interview with you a year ago, we would have been just talking about, oh, you have HIV? What's that like? And telling that story that you've told millions of times. So for the people who don't know you, can you give us a short version of that? Yeah. Hello. My name is Lexi Gibson. I was born with HIV. I was born in 91 and I was diagnosed in 93. So I was two years old. And just a quick cap, I've been undetectable since I was 15 years old and I've been undetectable since. Undetectable is when the virus is not detected in the passable fluids in the body. It takes a person about one to three months to become undetectable when they start their antiviral medication. The cocktail is what they call it, and that cocktail is prescribed to each individual differently because everyone has a different strain of HIV virus. 
But the most important thing is, is that if you become positive, you can get on meds right away and it takes about one to three months. You become undetectable and you can live a normal life. Your immune system goes untouched then the virus gets killed off. So your immune system's chilling, you're chilling, and it's as if your body isn't even affected. It's been about three years now. The CDC deemed undetectable equaling untransmittable which means that the virus is not passable. The four ways of transmission is blood, vaginal fluid, semen, and breast milk. So when you're undetectable, it's impossible to pass the virus through those fluids. And what's really awesome is that even though this study was done three years ago, it then backtracks all the way to another 10, 12 years because that's when undetectable became a thing. They used to say it was like less than 1% chance of transmission, but very, 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 very small. My mom, my adopted mom used to explain to the people that I would date when I was younger that it's as if, you know, you both have to be thrown into a lawnmower and grind it up and then put back together that there'd even possibly be a chance that that's how small it is. They couldn't actually deem it unpassable until they did a study and actually was looking it up yesterday and they did a couple more. So that's undetectable. So I've just been living a good life and taking my meds and educating those around me so that they can too live a good life. The thing about contracting anything is it's more mental than anything. So if you can conquer your mental, you're free. Mm-hmm. And, and just like you said, one of my biggest things is so much of what HIV taught me, I've been able to apply to every other aspect of my life, just in rejection and dating. When I learned that my worth is not valued off of somebody else's opinion. I was able to then take that through the rest of my life and many other aspects of what I'm doing or what's happening, you know, playing a role and not taking things personal and just being just loving you and knowing who you are and knowing what you stand for, what your boundaries are and what makes you feel good, you know? So it's been awesome in that sense. So yeah, just spreading the love. (laughs) (laughs) And what does living your life look like right now? You do a lot. Yeah, it's usually all over the place. I can't really ever really predict. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the just go with the flow kind of thing. I do like to plan, but at the same time, I allow myself to flow through those plans because I've learned in life that our plans don't always go as planned but if we keep an open mind and we just flow with whatever the best next step may be if that door maybe was closed what's the next door instead of getting stuck at that first door that other door is more visible and then we can just flow and enjoy whatever's happening and I kind of just do that and I like to travel a lot I'm currently home-based in Las Vegas I was planning on going on a tour around the U.S. for my nonprofit called Stop Hate Educate, educating and doing outreach for HIV. And I had my rig, and then I had some mechanical issues on my big sprinter van. So I'm definitely flowing and going. You just got to so, be like water. I think we can learn a yeah, lot from water. When exactly. the yeah. climate changes, if it gets too hot, it turns to steam. If it gets too it cold, it turns to ice. If it the wind's blowing, it turns into a fucking hurricane and destructive force. So, Charles Darwin that said it. It is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It is the one that is most adaptable to change. Ooh. So when we hit the apocalypse, you're going to be down there and be like, hey, I told y'all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. tell us a little bit about the nonprofit. So you would be traveling and speaking or what? Currently, um, everything is via social media. I have done some outreach. I went to Africa, and since then, I've kind of just done it behind the computer. Just from the few YouTube videos that I'd made in the couple years that I did it, I took a year break. I had a lot of people reach out to me, and people still continue to reach out to me. So that's a great source and a great outlet. I'm excited to be able to get back on that platform and be able to connect to more people and help more people. And people find me through Instagram, Facebook, Usually it's people who are positive, who just recently tested positive, who have been positive for maybe a long time and they're ready to process and maybe get some support and stem from hiding. And then there's people who have possible exposure, who think that they've been exposed, who think they have the virus and they're now experiencing the six months of 
people immediately think they're going to die and they think that, you know, they're going to be shamed and shunned and no one's going to love them and all of these horrible things because of the lack of education that there is and the stigma that still surrounds HIV. And it's been really interesting for me to experience speaking with people who are have had possible exposure because they feel like they have it, so they experience what it is actually like for people who do have HIV. Not all people have that reaction, but a lot of people do of being fearful and um, and whatnot. And so, you know, afterwards, a lot of people, I've actually, through my four years of doing this, I haven't had one person come back positive thinking when they had it, when they experienced their possible exposure. Possible exposure. <laughs> <laughs> you just put an accent on that. Yeah. Possible exposure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so that's been a really cool thing. It's literally been like 100%. You know, everyone's come back negative, so it's more in their head. But then a lot of people have been like, oh my gosh, I want to help people. This is horrible. Like, I experienced all of these feelings and these thoughts, and it stems from the stigma and me, you know, agreeing with that stigma and thinking I'm not worth anything because everybody thinks this is gross but it's because they're uneducated i talk with people i walk them through i educate them i build up their self-esteem i add them to an hiv support group a private group on facebook whatever it is that they need some people need case management and they need resources so i figure out what resources they need you know the tour was just going to expand that and do videos and interviews in the street and just more exposure and Do you find that the stigma is more attached to a lack of education on health or a lack of education on sex? Oh, definitely both. I definitely do feel there is a taboo around sex for the beginning of time. And it's just kind of lingered with that. So anything associated with sex, like, oh my goodness, this is gross. This is weird. But people don't find it weird that when you get the flu from up to seven feet away from someone's mouth or nostril fecal is flying through the air into your mouth and your nose and now you're sick as a dog for two weeks and you got the shivers and you might die so you need to go to the hospital but because we're sharing vaginas and penises which is the most beautiful thing it's what creates creation and makes this world go around and the love and it's like oh my gosh god forbid we can't talk about that so i do feel like that does play a role but I do also feel like it is a huge lack of education around health it's not updated information is not put out there and nowadays it's like if you want to know anything you have to go to google but at this point you have a hundred thousand people who've all written their own blog post about it so you got to be in college to have a real scholarly web search that's my mission is just to get out here and educate as much as I can and help people process through it and become stronger in the end that's what's been so beautiful for me through all of this is just seeing how many people come to realization of wow like I didn't love myself before this this has made me realize that I was not loving towards myself and my self-talk and how I speak to myself and how I deal with things to fully accept having HIV you have to love yourself You have to learn to just accept who you are and this is you and I am who I am and I'm going to be who I am and sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'm okay, but you have to believe you're okay. And it's just beautiful watching people through that transition and then also meeting people who off top, they're like, I'm good and I'm ready to help other people because this is crazy and like no one should have to experience this. It's got its heavy moments for sure. A lot of thoughts of suicide and attempts and drug abuse and more risky behavior because of feeling worthless and you know and understanding it and and seeing it on this backside so many people are hateful towards people who have it and they're like oh you just keep spreading it or blah 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 but for a lot of people it doesn't make the behavior right but they're living in fear they hate themselves they're mad because they're mad at the person that gave it to them and so now they want to give it or they just don't care about anything so they're just not caring and not using protection and but again those few people that do that do not make a statement for all that also applies to everything out of HIV one group of people or one person does not make a statement for all there are those heavy moments but the love and the beauty of the perseverance which is what this is all about you know and that's the best part of it so mm-hmm. So you basically get people to become more self-aware of the fact that they are talking very negatively about themselves and that they're not really caring for themselves. 
yes and no, that is a piece. I educate them at first. Well, first I make sure they're okay, they're safe, they, you know, have food, have water, they have support, who, who knows. And then from there, I give them the education that they need. Their first question is usually, am I going to die? Am I going to be loved? So I give them some information about that and I support them and I love them. And I give them, you know, just having information about it and then talking to someone who has it and understands and is open, I think really does a lot for people because... I'm really one of the only people that a lot of people tell. So I'm like their support system. Yeah, they're only one. Yeah. And then from there, yeah, I just, you know, I lift them up and I talk to them about being able to control their thoughts and focusing on what is going to help them move forward in the moment. And they're okay right now. And um, so I just kind of take them through the motions and um, help them work through challenging their thoughts and healing from whatever happens to them and then creating the new space that they want and, and growing their self-esteem and yeah, just flourishing. You are one of the only people that these people disclose to that they have HIV and you're carrying the weight of being a support system. What can someone do when they're told by someone that has HIV that they have HIV? I was literally just thinking like, how can I get people who are negative more involved so that people with HIV don't feel as scared to reach out do I create a group do I create some type of buddy system where someone with it you know just say hey like I need a bunch of volunteers who would be willing to be friends with people who've recently been positive and maybe like kind of be a little bit of support system or just show them that you are open and you're accepting and you love them so that was like an idea that I was just running and throwing around but what I think people can do is when someone's actually disclosing to them is just give them a hug and look them in the eyes and tell them that everything is okay and you love them and let's research it together. If you don't have the information, I'll go to the doctor with you and just know that if someone is not on meds yet, it is so hard to pass. So as long as you're not having sex without a condom on with that individual, you are not going to get HIV from them. And even then there's statistics in that, um, in the unprotected sex. So if someone, you know, is recently diagnosed and they're coming to you for support or they're even just disclosing to you and they're good, but they just want to know how you're feeling, be there to support them and with love. But at the same time, I know that people don't want to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, so just like that level of ground of just like that confident love, like everything's going to be okay. I'm here for you. I love you. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm good. I'm okay. How can I help you? You know, that's probably a really good one. How can I help you? What can I do? Do you find that people are more looking for strangers support or family and friends? Like which one do you think is more beneficial? Family and friends for sure. Okay. I'm I'm their last resort. It's terrifying for people to reach out to me, I think, but not at the same time, you know, and I always thank them for trusting me and I let them know that, you know, our information is confidential, like what is exchanged. You know, for those family and friends, it's like the jokes and stuff too. I think the hard part for people is, is like they realize that, oh, shucks, like I've, I've been making fun of this or I've made jokes and then it kind of makes them feel bad. And sometimes, you know, when people feel bad, it makes them get defensive, which means not being supportive. And, you know, and then they want to back up keeping the jokes up because they don't want to look stupid for making a mistake but really you don't look stupid and you didn't make a mistake and if people are making you feel that bad for it you know maybe you guys all need to evaluate how you treat each other and what's going on in this dynamic and the biggest thing for me that saved me in this was Don Miguel Ruiz's book called The Four Agreements and not taking things personal and not making assumptions like trying to read people's minds and assuming what you think they're thinking and whatever instead of just asking them but not taking anything personal that anybody says or does is a lifesaver you know so if somebody is not being supportive or they're making fun of you or they have in the past or someone isn't accepting you like it has nothing to do with you it has everything to do with their level of education what they want in their life which is okay everyone has different boundaries and levels and but that doesn't mean anything about us really learning that and taking that and practicing that has been again a saver with HIV and in so many other aspects and in, in my life altogether not taking things personal is literally it's the biggest peace of mind in healing your life in the event that someone does disclose to them give them a hug look them in the eyes tell them it'll be okay you're 
allowed your process, you're allowed to have the length of time of what your process is, you know, with love and respect, I wouldn't like ignore that person for a week. But if you really are, if you really need a week to think about it and process and do your research without communication, just clearly communicate what you're feeling and what your boundaries are, even if it may hurt that other person. I'm scared of this right now, but you know, I need some time or can we do this together? Your process is okay and you have every right to accept and not accept an invitation and just communicate honestly about your feelings and where you're at. And and you know what? There are some people who aren't capable of doing that yet because of other things that they're working on in their life and they're scared to communicate for whatever reason or whatever their underneath reason is and so I would say then for the other person who's disclosing is again don't take that personal there's some people who may give you the silent treatment for a week and may not handle it in the manner that you would like that's okay that's where you get to come in and love you and you know the best way is to coach ourselves. we've got to be our cheerleader we've got to be our personal coach like it's okay I'm okay if this person does not accept me I am okay I will be okay I am worthy I am worthy of love and I will find that and I'm not going to settle and this person just wasn't right for me and that's that where can people find your nonprofit again they can find that on Instagram or Facebook at Stop Hate Educate. All right. As much as I love business, professional Lexi, I really like casual Lexi. So can we bring her out now and talk about our personal experience? (laughs) I wanted to make sure to give you that space to talk about that. So I want to throw this analogy out there. Dating can be challenging, whether you have HIV, you are religious, you are atheist, you are tall, you're short, you are skinny, you are super buff, you like anime, you like hiking, some people like being indoors, you know, and so whatever it is, we have all of these different things that we could be insecure about and you know is this person going to accept me and I think instead of focusing on you know is this person going to accept me we should be focusing on I'm excited to find that right one that really fits and accepts me for all of my things because there's billions of people in this world and the likeliness of the first or the first 10 people being that one that fits in all the categories or maybe is okay with certain things or it takes time my analogy is that not everybody likes tacos and not everybody likes hamburgers, you know, and that's okay, but they're both equally as good. And so if you know that your hamburger is bomb and if you know that your taco is bomb, if somebody walks by and says, ew, and they yuck your yum of your taco, you know, um, that's okay because you know your taco's bomb. So as long as you know your taco's bomb, them saying that, you're going to be like, that's okay. Like, you can totally have your opinion, but I have mine, and I'm strong in mine, and I know that this is good, and I know that this is worth you buying it, and I know if you don't want this, that's okay. You can have a hamburger, and I'm not mad about it because everybody likes something different. So I was trying not to laugh too hard when you were talking about bomb tacos. <laughs> I know my taco's I know. bomb. <laughs> <laughs> We done with the professional stuff? Yeah. All right. Who are you? Oh, this question, man. Okay. Um, Who am I? (sighs) Can I share how I feel about this question? Yeah. (laughs) I've always just felt like this question is a little, you know, uncomfortable, only because it's like I can come off as being not vain, but just... I don't know. And and then I'm like, okay, there's the controversy of like, okay, don't talk about yourself too much. Let other people talk about your accomplishments or boast or whatever. Then again, it's like, okay, well, we do need to support ourselves and kind of where's the line. It's also kind of just a confusing question because you could say a million different things with who am I? Oh my gosh. Okay. Who am I? <sighs> so I am... I am, I don't know. And that is such a real answer. I'm glad you said that because a lot of us, I mean, we know what we believe in. We know who we are when we're blessed to reach that point of, and I always will say this, self-awareness. You know what your values are. Like looking at you, I would be able to tell you that you're a loving creature. I see how your animals respond to you and you don't treat them like animals. You treat them like like you would treat yourself. 
You treat people as mirrors of yourself. I think that that would be who you are. Like you're a very positive reflection of what's around you. Thank you. Bam. I really appreciate that. It's always Thank nice you. when other people can answer that question for you. <laughs> I know, I know, but then that kind of defeats the purpose, right? No, cause <laughs> no? It's, okay, no, I, I think it. it, I think it breaks down a wall because it makes people uncomfortable. And when you make somebody uncomfortable for a little bit, oh, what's on the other side of this? And it can go to shit, or it can turn out to be something really, really awesome. And in this case, I think that it's going to turn out to be something that's really, really awesome. And we talked beforehand about so much stuff. And there's real shit that's happening uh, in your life that you have gone through. And I really wish I would have just hit the record button when we had that phone conversation because you touched everything, like even from childhood through now, not just in your experience with HIV, but the other challenges that you've had as well. Was that our first combo or the one from Arizona? This was the one when you were driving from Arizona (laughs) when we talked on Saturday. Yeah. And I guess so much has happened I guess, between December of last year and now. Well, shit, over the last year alone, people would listen to this episode and assume, oh my God, HIV is the worst thing to happen to her. But you were born with HIV. So in between the the other challenges that you've had, that you've gone through, that you've faced, that you've been able to persevere from, give me one of those off the top of your head. The first thing that comes to mind that isn't HIV. Even if it's just oh, love. Relationships. Oh, I was so close. <laughs> yeah. Relationships in general has been a beautiful transition for me. And what about them? Well, I would say that. I love that you one, call everything beautiful. Like everything's beautiful. Nothing's bad. Nothing's terrible. Even when we were talking about dating, you called it challenging. When we talked about burdens or sadness, you called it heavy. I love how you objectively view things in a way that you can't categorize as a bad thing like beauty just is and there's all beauty in everything too thank you yeah no definitely for sure um you know and that's really how I view my relationships is um it's beautiful you know every single one of them I don't regret any of them even though some were tougher than others some were more intense than others some were more uh painfully inflicting than others um but how I like to look at it is it's like it's like the presidency not not one president was the best one they all played their role and and brought us to where we are today and you know that's how I feel had I not had all of those relationships I wouldn't be where I am today and who I am and how I am what's so beautiful about my the transition that's what we're saying right Mm -hmm. What was my transition? Well, I originally started dating women when I was younger, when I was 14 years old. My first interaction with a girl was when I was in first grade. And so at one point in my life, I ended up identifying as lesbian from 14 to 19. So yeah, I dated women for that period of time only. Um, with a couple hookups with guys, testing waters, losing virginity. And then I started dating men again. Well, because when I was 18, I had a couple boyfriends in college. But then when I moved to Vegas, I had a girlfriend for a while. We lived together. But it was around after that time that I realized that, you know, I wanted to date a man. But then shortly after that, I ended up experiencing a relationship where with a woman who was also gay, and I don't know if that played a role in our relationship or not, but we just had such an amazing connection. The moment we met, we immediately hit it off and our relationship eventually was platonic. And platonic means that it's romantic with no sexual intimacy. Um, so it has everything else, the emotional, the spiritual, you're romantic, like you cuddled together, we showered together, but we never kissed, we never touched each other sexually, but we were always so close for the longest time. We're like, what is this? What does this mean? And uh, we were like, you know what? It's, it's kind of a partnership. We have this partnership where we take care of each other. We love each other. We're there for each other. It almost feels as like we're together, but we don't have sex. 
But then it's like, okay, well, then do I date other people? Yeah, well, then I don't want to lose this partnership that I had. So then we started discussing, we have our mains and whoever we date, but we just bring our partner with us. And so whoever guy I would date, I'd be like, yo, she's coming with. <laughs> like, if we ever, like, get married and have a house, she's going to have her little house on our land. And if she wants to go off and live her life and do her thing, cool, that's totally cool, too. But that was just what we were discussing and that was our plan and that's kind of where that started and then I had experienced a few threesomes women and men and I had experienced couples sex with um two couples me and a partner and then two people and I just really enjoyed the beauty of it and sharing space and sharing love and sharing vulnerability. But at the same time, I was still like on top of this, this era, this is about 18 to 23. I was still insecure about my body and my sexuality and being able to fully step into that and feel a woman and feel sexy that just took more confidence and you know that came from the childhood stuff of the bullying and being called ugly growing up and then the whole hiv thing and feeling yeah all those feelings how has having hiv impacted your dating life or has it it varies but i would say that like 99 percent of the time it's gucci i've had like three experiences one where i fell in love with this guy we both fell in love with each other and it was just so powerful so beautiful but he was terrified of it and it made it really stressful and we'd break up and then he'd come back and be like oh my gosh like i'm i'm good you know and it was so wild he did so much research on it that he was even teaching me things at this point and i was 23 he knew that undetectable was a thing and you couldn't pass. He knew that these things were a thing, but he just couldn't ever get it out of his head. But he also had other mental stuff he was working on in terms of, you know, obsessing over thoughts and depression and stuff like that. So that definitely does play a role. And that's the thing is we cannot take one experience, one person and make a statement for all. Just because it happened one time doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Doesn't mean it's going to happen 10 more times. That was the one where like he had just had a really hard time and we still had sex and we still, you know, did those things. And then I started dating this guy and two days in, I told him I was positive and he wrote me later that night and said, he doesn't think he can do it. It's not something for him, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, for sure. And at that time of where I was mentally I was still working on my self-esteem around that and grounding my feet and who I am and what I'm going to allow to affect me and controlling my thoughts because um, thoughts cause feelings being able to control the thoughts and the thoughts that you feed and that you give attention to and engagement to you attach and you give attention to thoughts that aren't helpful you're going to create more of that and that's going to create fear and pain and suffering and all of this but if you give attention to thoughts that are helpful and positive and uplifting and loving and supportive then you're going to get more of that the guy before when we were together that was really the biggest thing for me that whole relationship is when I came out to the world. I was done hiding. I wasn't allowed to tell his friends, his family, because he was so terrified. And after we broke up, it was honestly the best thing that ever happened to me. And that is where, you know, you're like, oh, this sucks. But does it really? Because so much light comes from everything that you think sucks. Even if it may suck at that time, there's always a rainbow. And that is just what I focus on and getting to that and what's next. And, you know, how can I process through this and love myself through this situation? And move on. I outed myself and then shortly after that I met this guy and then he was like nope can't do it and then I went on a date with the guy maybe like a couple years later off of a dating app or maybe like a year later or something and this is where I was in a better space where my headspace was even more secure more confident because you practice it enough you do it enough you master it practice equals mastery so I go to pick up this guy or to like you know because I like to drive I was about to say um, first off you picking him up <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm like, let me add this, though. So, I enjoy driving. I just, I really like to drive. And so I went to go, like, meet this guy and pick him up. We were just going to go, I don't I can't remember, give you something around the corner. And I had an HIV sticker on my car. And he comes out to meet me, and he looks at the sticker, and he looks at me, and he's like, do you have HIV? And I said, actually, yes, I do. I was born with it. And he was like, oh, okay, for sure. Well, uh, I'm going to go grab something inside. I'll be right, I'll be right back. I'm like, all right, for sure. And I was low-key like, am I going to come back? <laughs> like, coming back. <laughs> he, he didn't come back. Oh, <laughs> man. But you know how, like, you know, and, like, 
I was like, okay, that's hella funny. That's cool. So I just hit, hit up a friend and I just, I didn't entertain those thoughts. Didn't nothing. I was like, okay, that's cool. Well, that didn't work. I'm not going to make a judgment about it. That's the thing. If we make a judgment about it, whether it's good or bad, that's where we create all of the extras and the emotions and the attachments and the feelings and the pain and the suffering. It's like nothing was good or bad. Like, okay, that didn't work out. It didn't go. It happened. That's it. It happened. But I'm not going to make a judgment about it. And if you need to give yourself some love, which I still do through stuff, I'm like, you know what? I'm okay. I'm good. I know I'm sexy. I know I'm worthy. That's okay. And then an important thing to distract your mind and to remove from those feelings of maybe you got that stabbing pain in your stomach. You're like, oh, and your stomach drops and you're like, oh, you can change your thoughts, but those feelings sometimes linger. And so to get rid of the thoughts and the lingering feelings, you completely distract yourself with a healthy distraction, whether a friend and it's like you're still your cup up things of what's your list of things that make you happy and make you feel good and make you feel fulfilled. And then you go do those things. Yeah. And you know, for me in that moment, I went and hit my friend up and I went and hung out with my friend and all was cool. And I totally forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend the other day, just remind me of the second guy I just told you about that was like, nah, I can't do it. I totally forgot about him. Yeah. But it's because I had so many amazing, beautiful, awesome experiences that I don't give any energy to that, that it doesn't, because it doesn't affect me because I choose to not let it affect me because I know my worth. Dating has been really great for me. And honestly, my life changed when I went public completely. It removes if even, you know, because you still get those kind of little butterflies when you have to disclose, uh, even as aware and loving of myself as I am, you know, you still get those even though I'm controlling my thoughts and I'm not like, oh my gosh, like what if, because I don't live in the what ifs, what if he doesn't do this, what if he doesn't do that, because then I'm living there and my energy is there instead of me being here and being me and being present and just educating and being love and then all, I'm going to deal with the situation that comes at hand, not try and predict all of these outcomes and then have a... <laughs> and then none of them happen. Yeah, no, like then you're living in the future, you're creating all of this stress and it's our imagination taking over mm-hmm. and you got to be like... Eckhart totally says suffering is from living in the past or the future where there is none of that in the present moment. Yeah, and we bring that with us. But from the past, it's stuff that needs to be resolved. And the future stuff is worries that we need to also cross out and process out. Mm-hmm. being open you know what what it is 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 it removes that that feeling in my stomach but also because it is something that you have to disclose which kind of like it's a topic you know and it's something you have to discuss but being open I get people who already know and they're intrigued by me and that's what I would always tell myself I would be like you know what I want to find somebody who's just gonna meet me and they're just vibing with me and they just want to get to know me and they know that I have it because they saw it on my profile and they're like I don't care like I'm interested in her I'm intrigued by her I want to know more you know whether it's on my profile or not like before I was even out that was the thoughts that I would carry with myself like, I want to be with someone who wants to rock me wants to help me educate wants to be a part of it. isn't it going to be, be fearful of it isn't going to shame it and so people who reject or run away thank you yeah. You just did me a service. How I see it is, is like, I want to be with someone who, if they're uneducated, they're wanting to be educated, they're willing to be educated after I disclose to them, or they're already educated and they're like, yeah, what's up? Or, you know, if they don't want anything to do with it because it makes them uncomfortable, they're not ready for it, or they're not in a space to deal with that fear or the ignorance or the stigma, that's okay too. But then that also shows like those behaviors are also going to linger throughout the rest of that person's life anyways. So I don't want to date them living with fear and living in ignorance and living in stigma. It's not a judgment about them. But for me, that's like, okay, cool. That does a lot for me. So if, and not to say that people who are accepting don't have issues as well, because when I tell you, we all got different severity of what we're working on, but it just makes it a lot easier. I'd rather someone accept me. And if they're not going to, cool. That's okay. Just yeah. make room for somebody who is. I get lots of love. I'll just say that. <laughs> it makes things so much easier when people just are who they are and not trying to be yeah. somebody that they're not. Yeah, and that's what people like. People like people who are just themselves and they can be free and they can be themselves. Then they're drawn to you and who you are and the rest doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. you know? 
I heard that quote from, uh, it was Wit and Love on Instagram. I think it was you that posted something from it. And I was like, oh, what's, what's this? And then there was this video. It was like, people who are just themselves are the most attractive. I'm paraphrasing this, of course, but yeah. there's so much realness yeah. to that. That's exactly what I like, you know, and there is. And I cannot do egos. I can't date people with ego because a lot of people don't realize they're in it, you know, and that's okay. Again, no judgments, but it is a front. If you're not yourself, then you're, if you're card a lot and you got a car that's says, oh, it's coming with these seats, this interior, these wheels, this get up. And you drive off the lot with that car and all of a sudden you get home and it's a transformer and all that stuff changes. You're going to be like, uh, this is not what I signed up for. I love you, but this is not, you know, and granted, yes, there are things that you do find out along the way and stuff, but that's where we have to ask ourselves, like, what's the severity of the problem or the issue or the whatever is this bringing me down? Is this whatever? And you could get too dope ass people who get together but they just don't vibe and their level of skills don't mess with with each other and it just makes for not great relationship you saying that just kind of gave me a thought of like two people who have absolutely nothing in common on the surface like how can that relationship work and it makes me think it depends on what their intentions are and long term, whatever the bigger picture is, because both of these people, while they have opposite traits, let's say introvert versus extrovert, um, I find that the most attractive masculine feature that isn't tangible is decisiveness and the most attractive feminine feature um, that isn't tangible is um, sociability. So you've got a social person and a decisive person, and you've got all this creative energy on one side, and you've got this like logic on the other side. These are two people who are individually contributing to a bigger picture where they're, uh, receiving whatever needs it is that they have in order to get back. So that one person has strong points, one person has weak points, but they are both working together on whatever this bigger picture is. And so, that's something that can work. But the only way that that can work is if you are aware of who you are and not being a person you think another person wants you to be because that shit comes out. Right. But also a lot of people don't even realize who and what they're being and what they're putting out there, you know, and Don Miguel Ruiz talks a lot about that in the mastery of love and that growing up because you have all of these different, you know, when we were children in school, I learned in our child development class that the most crucial impairment time for a child's brain to develop is from age one to four and a half, five years old. And in that time of our lives, we're being programmed by teachers, family, friends, all of these different people who have all of these different opinions and beliefs and views of how how things should be and how you can and cannot act and, you know, how the discipline is going to be. So we've, we've created all of these different bases, in a sense, to mold and fit. You know, we weren't aware of this. This is just one naturally how our brain programs and also what it was programmed with that we didn't have any control over. So... There's a lot of that, you know, that goes into it as well. In navigating the relationships, greatest challenge for you personally? The greatest challenge in my relationships has been effective communication, loving, healthy communication. Not even HIV. HIV is never a problem in my relationships, like ever. It never comes up. It's never an issue. We don't ever talk about it. They don't ever remember I have it. I don't remember I have it. <laughs> but it is literally finding people you know, because I recently just dated someone who is great, 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 great in their level of communication, you know, and in, in, in a lot of aspects, but other things were missing. But that was like my, my closest to experiencing calm, effective communication. I mean, I had that with a couple people, but still they were, they would withhold honesty and truth and being vulnerable and sharing. And I think that's what it is. You can communicate respectfully and with love, but you can still be withholding a bunch of information. And I just want someone to pour it out. Like, talk to me, like share me what's in your head, you know? And you want transparency. So that I was dating, like he was, he was great like that. Just being very vulnerable and communicative and express those feelings. And I've, noticed that a lot of men have a very difficult time doing that you know and that comes from the suppression of their childhood of boys don't cry don't speak up feelings aren't anything you know we're being a little baby you got it you know so they didn't even really learn how to process talk about anything how to 
trust, you know, and then the people they have trusted. There's a lot of people out there that'll throw stuff in your face and use stuff against you and try and hurt you, whatever they can with a weapon. Again, that has nothing to do with us but yeah so again that does make a statement for all so like when a couple of times this happens then people are like oh i'm not ever trusting again i'm not opening up i'm not sharing because this new person i'm dating and again we bring that stuff from the past and that's where i have found that i have had successful relationships and that like i've been able to fall in love 12 different times in my life and i mean that like fall in love head over heels, you're melting, you feel like you're on a cloud, you feel like you're in a different dimension, you know, and it's so beautiful and it's so amazing. And the reason being is because each one was so beautiful in their own way. And just because they didn't last, it doesn't mean that they weren't beautiful. If I'll take love for two weeks or 10 years, then, then none at all, you know, and I'm not scared to love again because of how I've transitioned the way that I see relationships, how I see love, being realistic and knowing that nothing lasts forever and there and things happen and people change and it's okay being understanding. The reason why I've been able to fall in love so many times is because I do not carry the things that happen in my one relationship to the next. I address them. I become aware that there was some unfaithfulness here in this relationship and I'm feeling insecure in these areas and I haven't experienced this before, whatever. And so I process through that. You have to coach yourself through it. And so I say, this has nothing to do with the next person. You know, everyone's their own individual and I'm very aware of the behavior and how I'm acting in my current relationship. Why? What is this? You know, I, I try not to react. I try to respond mm-hmm. um, because I don't bring that fear. I don't bring whatever happened in that last one to the next. I keep myself open and vulnerable for love. And every single time they've gotten more and more and more beautiful. Like one of them was just really the worst in terms of emotional unhealthiness that I've ever had crazy emotional unhealthiness um but at the same time it was like so beautiful and so just taking what that was and learning from the things that didn't work and I feel like you got contacts in your eyes that are just like I see the world as beautiful like this is what it looks like where we see things as like I said bad or good or negative or positive you're just like it's beautiful and that's what it is. That's how I choose to see it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm so grateful. And so, like, this, you know, kind of going, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, super jump back, but it just goes into, you know, me having learned through these relationships. I was never that jealous girlfriend, and I pride myself on that and how I've been able to control myself in relationships when things happen or I get mad or whatever is I always think you know what person do I want to portray who do I want to be who am I what do I want to portray now if I start acting crazy and ripping posters off walls and breaking stuff that I bought this person this is now the image that this person has of me and this is the character traits that I am now showing that is not who I am that's not what I want to be you know I, I never wanted to be that girl who tells the guy that he can't have girlfriends and I wanted to be confident because I am confident that shift happened for me when I, after I left solstice which was my therapeutic boarding school that taught me a lot so I started running with that and I just started talking more and more you know and me being into women I would tell my boyfriends I'm totally down if would love to have threesomes I would love to whatever and so that's where a few of those threesomes have come in. Uh, one was just friends, one was just dating, one was the partner. And then I started to realize that maybe we could date somebody. Like, I'd even be open to that. The more that I started becoming secure in myself and knowing, you know what, how I see it is you're my partner. We are so happy together. We're so fulfilled. And if we open it up and we allow ourselves to sleep with other people it's just sex sex is sex and a shared relationship with someone is completely different what do you mean shared relationship versus just sex like what we have is is everything that i want and need so if we bring somebody in that's not going to rock what we have it's just going to add to what we have because you're my main that's how i see it i call my main and then i'm like you know we have our fun but what i want it to be is we're so caught up in each other and we love each other so much that like, we're just 
locked eyes and we're so into each other, we're not going out and looking for that extra piece or that whatever. It just happens. And if it happens, we have that open communication and we're like, you know, you know, my man's like, okay, so I was out dancing tonight or I was out with my boys and, you know, I just felt this energy and I was really vibing with this girl and, you know, I want to let you know about this. And I'd be like, okay, so what do you want to do about it? Like, do you want to pursue it? Do you want to sleep with her? Do you want to, like, what do we need to do? And I actually haven't come into this situation yet because I'm used to dating guys that are more jealous of who's looking at me. And I'm like, yo, I want you. Let's just have some fun. Like, you know, be over here picking up a chick that I could be watching you. Yeah. And then, you know, but you're worried about this dude. I want to have that open, honest communication of whatever it is because we are animals. We're meant to have lots of sex. And because we have evolved with our mental, we have consciousness and we have this whole new level of living. And we call that human. And so we have this animalistic instinct plus this whole consciousness of what it is. And I just want to be able to share beauty and love and security and support with whatever people I want to. And each relationship brings something different. And the likeliness of finding multiple people who literally meet every single one of your needs is very rare. You know, if you find one awesome, you know, but there's still other needs and not that there's other needs that need to be met, but it's just a natural thing. You have a bunch of different friends that you guys have different relationships. And I don't want to cut those relationships off just because I'm with my man. You know, I have some guy friends who I can sleep with and we don't even want to cuddle. I have some friends where we just want to cuddle, but we don't sleep together. I can sit on their lap, but we've never had sex or kissed. Or I just have friends where we're really just best freaking friends and we shower together, but we just talk like girlfriends in the shower. It's just a comfort level. It's being comfortable in your body and just sharing a friendship space with someone with no judgments about bodies and whatever and just solely going off of connection and love and honesty. It's taken some years for me to figure this out. I've had a couple swinger friends where I've like kind of learned about that life a little bit because I feel like a little bit of what I'm into is maybe more of the swinger side versus an open relationship. The times that I have thought about, could I do open where we actually have different partners? And I felt that sting of insecurity of, no, 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 let's just do this. Let's just meet him and then he can date other women or we can like bring women in for fun and sex or couples or whatever, but there's no dating. There's no anything without each other. And I had that mindset, but then I was like, wait, but that's still not being out of love because that's not fully being secure either. And the more you're open, the more that you allow your partner to just be who they are and you guys just love and respect each other, the more, why would you want anybody else anyways? Yeah. That's my view. So if you have everything together and you're having sex with this woman on the side together and you guys are hooking up with her, it's just going to be more fun to your guys' relationship. It's just a spice to your veggies, you know? And you can maybe spice it up in different ways too. This isn't for everybody, but adding that on, like, and people will be like, oh, well, what happens if your man falls for her? Well, if he's more happy and he wants to pursue a relationship with her, awesome go ahead. But you know what? If he feels inclined to like, you know, still feel for her, that's where I think that's how people end up in kind of like open relationships or swingers where they have, you know, a third party because you, you bring to this person's attention, like, Hey, I feel for this person. And then you guys are now having a conversation because you don't want to break up with each other. Well, what do we do? So, okay, well let's try this. So then you try that, but it really takes a lot of communication, a lot of honesty, a lot of boundaries, a lot of security and love. But for me, I'm to the point where I don't want any insecurity at all whatsoever. And I think what happened for me is I listened to the mastery of love on audible, like, four times now but I listened to it a few weeks ago and he said something really amazing if you're with a partner and you guys are struggling and you want to make things work you have to decide right now in this moment to move on from everything that's happened in your relationship and start new not bringing anything in from yesterday or a week ago or three years ago to right here in this moment this moment is a new moment and everything on is new and so it made me really think at that moment I had forgiven someone for dishonesty in the relationship I was dating someone and I had never experienced unfaithfulness and it happened 
and I was willing to work through it because of the conversation and the realizations and everything that was partaking, what, what was given to me on the splatter. And I'm like, okay, well, let's see what we can do. So we're continuing on with the relationship. And I was just, I would feel insecure and I would feel like I want to look at his phone and I would feel like I wanted to, who are you talking to? And I've never been like that ever. Not one dude I've ever dated. I have ever been like that because I want you to do you. I trust you. I have no reason not to. I go into a relationship fully trusting unless you give me a reason not to. I don't go looking for one. I just live in the moment, enjoy us. And if something pops up, something pops up. And that's how I find out. And I go from there. Yeah. So this is new for me. I was realizing instead of doing that and being that crazy girlfriend, I would just communicate through that and be like, hey, I'm feeling like I want to go through your phone right now. And this really sucks for me. This is really hard for me because this is not the person that I want to be. And this is not what I want to do. He was great. And he would comfort me and love me through that and allow me my process. But then it got to a point where I'm like, okay, well, how much longer is this going to happen? Because at this point, it's a month and some now where I'm just feeling like, these little thoughts, oh, after work, is he really going home or whatever, you know, and I've never thought about those things and I don't want to. I was listening to the mastery of love and he said that part, you got to forgive it right here in that moment. And I realized I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm holding on to this. And I literally just have to be like, I'm okay. It's okay. I can just let go. I don't need to have any control. I don't need to even care. Give it no energy, give it no attention. And if a thought pops up, I'm not going to feed it. I'm not going to anything. And I'm just going to say, I'm okay. I'm moving on. And it was so beautiful. And I was able to share that with him. And we then shared a place of love and forgiveness because people make mistakes and people can change you know mm -hmm. and so holding someone to that mistake forever like allow that person to come to terms with what they did within reason and you know if they're still being disrespectful or they're not taking accountability then give them their space and maybe one day they will I was able to do that and then from that moment I started thinking beyond that and I'm like wow this applies to so much more you know me being any type of jealous even with sharing my partner you know I want nothing but happiness for my partner ever. And that is where me and Kyle's relationship came in, you know, when we too were platonic. Ours is a little different though. We based it off of a couple back in like the thirties or whatever, maybe even before. I can't remember, excuse me. I sent you that quote, right? And if the love is strong enough, the expectation becomes happiness. Simone de Beauvoir. She was a French writer existentialist she created existentialism and that quote is just so beautiful it says uh if the love is strong enough the expectation becomes happiness and no matter what that's all i ever want to be and do for my partner or anybody in my life so whatever it is that works for you or you may need i want to be here to support you as uncomfortable that may be or as hard as that may be because if it's anything else that's the condition to love that's that's not unconditional love so I'm in a place where I'm just like, I want to open it up. I want to explore. Do you have any fears with this? The only thing that I could think of is really is just STDs contracting something from somebody else. That's why I haven't been as sexually active too in my life as I'd like to be. I've come into a lot of possible one night stands that I just don't engage in. I mean, they would be fun, you know, but then I think of the bigger picture and we're not in a place right now to go get tested or, and just because you have HIV doesn't mean you can just sleep with other people who have HIV because they'll give you their virus, their strain, and now your medication doesn't work and, or I don't want to get anything else. And, and that's okay if it happens, you know, it may, because that's what happens when you have sex. A bunch of people are sharing parts and we're sharing bodies and bodies are nothing but bacteria anyways. So if you're sharing that space with someone, there is a possibility that that's going to happen. And that's okay. It's a part of human nature, like viruses and bacteria. That is just life. So that's really my only thing. I'm sure stuff will come up, you know, in that right. moment where I'm with him. And I'm like, as I think about it, I'm like, okay, so say you do have three partners. Well, because I think about Aubrey and Whitney a lot. Yeah, if Whitney's the main for Aubrey, how do they balance time with other people? Then I thought that thought, and I was like, well, you know, and then my response to that was, well, that's something that you would just have to talk to with the individual that you're with, because they're so, it's going to be different for everybody. You know, what their request is, what their desire is to have with that specific individual, because all of these open relationships are going to be different, you know, but that is definitely, that's a question that I've had. 
I just feel like if you have it open, nobody goes away. Unless it's an unhealthy relationship, period. You can have everyone in your life, even this partner. You know, I have it with the person that I was dating. Like, we're friends now. But we still are going to share that space. And I don't know how, for how long, you know, if he starts dating someone, then what does that look like for him to continue? I don't know what he's going to do, whether he'll be open or not. But for me, I'll be open. So if I start dating someone and I'm feeling like, you know, I want to go share space with this person I was just with, then I'm going to go do that. I almost equate it to like how your, do you call your animals your animals or your pets or your kids? What do you call them? babies your babies okay so your babies aren't on leashes they get to just roam around and be free i'm sure they wander off but they always come back home exactly yeah they know where home is they know where they're most loved they know where they're most secure they know where they're most supported they know where they're fed i love that analogy one day they decide they want to go on a little vacay cool go have a blast or they decide that they want a different experience in life that's the thing like when I really came to terms with you know what nothing lasts forever I could even change in a relationship I could one day wake up and be like you know what I want to be a yogi and I'm gonna live in the Himalayas and not come back yeah bye honey you know (laughs) and it's like if you don't want to come too, well I guess this is where we discuss about what the new plan is well you know and it could go many different ways we could decide to stay together for three years and you have fun and date and whatever and it may hurt but it is what it is and I need to do what's going to make me happy and this is what makes me happy and I want to be open and honest and I feel like a lot of relationships fail because people aren't honest you know we talked about that with you know your family people aren't even aware you know and that's where cheating gets created it's not that they don't love their current partner or their partner isn't enough you know maybe they're they're arguing or they're not getting along or they're not getting some of their needs met and that person you know they're not really aware of that but they don't want to lose this beloved person that they have so they try to get their needs met on the side but then it comes out as you're a liar our whole relationship is a lie this that and the other that person feels devastated and destroyed because they weren't understanding of any of this, so they feel played, and that they have every right to. But at the same time, we don't have to take it personal because it just has everything to do with that individual who is scared, you know, and this is a new space. This isn't, like, a very accepted thing of being open, and a lot of people don't even know that they can even do that. They don't even realize that they're feeling these things, that their needs aren't met. They're not even conscious of that in itself. They're just acting as our natural animalistic behavior you know yes you have some conscious choice of i'm cheating on my wife right now but then you're like conflicted because you're like i love this person that gets messy and i feel like if more people were just honest with themselves like i have a friend who's really struggled in relationships because she has had four different boyfriends at a time and she loves each one of those individuals all differently and just as much as she loves them all But for some reason, we all have this need and fixation to want to be the only one and to be the best one and to be the this one. So we need that recognition, I feel, that we didn't get growing up. It's lack of love that we're not giving ourselves, so we need it from our partner. But she wasn't honest with herself, and it's also scary because she likes this person and she wants to be with them. But what if I say I want to be with other people too, and now you don't want to be with me? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the whole HIV thing. It's the same thing. It's another thing of disclosing of... I'm Jewish, and if you don't get baptized, then we can't be together. It's the uncomfortable conversations that people have a really hard time with because of that fear of rejection. But that's where we have to be so caught in ourselves and aware and knowing of what our values and morals are and who do we want to be, what do we want to present. As shitty as that is, well, you don't get your cake today. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you get your cake tomorrow, but it's just going to be a different kind of cake. You're still going to get cake. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> so, totally yeah. just completely answered the question of who you are. I don't know if you know that or not. Just in everything that you've just been saying and talked about you being like a mirror to the people around you, like you just did that with me. This is something that I've been navigating and all the stuff that, you, that just came out of you gave me more words to be able to articulate things that I've struggled to communicate. Aww. So that's been really, really helpful. There's a lot of different takeaways. We've got relationship advice. Of course, we've talked about your nonprofit. We've talked about HIV. We've talked about dating and with HIV. And we got a lot of different things that a lot of different people will be able to take away. And you are persevering. You're thriving. I love watching you on Instagram. Just live your life, the way you treat your babies and how you are doing life. So I'm appreciative of you for coming on here, opening up your eyes for us to observe beauty through them before i let you go that is so 
sweet. I love that. Before I let you go, though, is there uh, anything that you want to leave us with? Goodness. I just want to say, yeah, just be yourself. Ask yourself, who do you want to be? What does that look like? Believe so that you can begin, so that you can become. And be firm in your boundaries. What are your morals and values? What are the principles that you want to live by? And just know that your worth is not based off of anybody else's opinion. I love it. Just do what you love. All right, we're with Lexi Gibson, who can be found on Instagram at Beauty Through My Eyes, and that's spelled exactly how it's <laughs> spelled and pronounced. So there's no special characters or anything. How else can people get in contact with you? Instagram's the best, or just um, you know send me an email at stophateeducate at gmail Perfect. This concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. If you like this episode or don't like it, leave us a rating and a review. Let us know why. And we'll be trying to get more content like this. I love this conversation. I love that we were able to touch on things outside of just HIV, which the beginning topic was very, very important. And I think it's important for us to be able to see more experiences from people who are living through their life situation and challenges and persevering through them. Until next time. Stay positive.